Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program and video extravaganza known worldwide as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Smoking and Toasting brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Great shirts on the web for cigar lovers starting under $20. MyCigarShirts.com because? Cigars. Cigars. Thank you. I'm Cruz Cruiser, and today with me is my guest... Oh, wait, I'm not Cruz. <laughs> and I did There's catch that, that comment he made last week that he expects you to not talk, and I will say everything. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I thought I was going to have a chance to talk this week. So. I came on and started listening right as he started saying that. And I was like, really, this is the first thing I hear? <laughs> so uh, so Cruz is out today. We're, we're doing a show, Sans Cruz, if you will. I got uh, Alan Denny and... Uh, we're not in the studio today. We're actually on location here at Casa de Monte Cristo, smoking cigars, which is a lot of fun. And a lot of a lot of fun because we're going to talk about cigars as well, including our reps. These are uh, guests that Alan brought on. So would you mind introducing them? Absolutely. So this is Dave Brophy. I've known Dave for... The one and only. Probably close to a decade uh, through different companies that he has represented and been a broker for. Are you saying I can't hold a job? N no, because <laughs> you, you've been with several of them. You've had longevity in this industry. Good You're probably yeah, good companies. I have. You know, yeah. That, the good ones uh, I really hey, have. we can talk about the bad ones here. I have no problem bashing people. <laughs> uh, I can't. <laughs> Non-disclosure agreements. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is Belinda Doyle. She's the vice president of sales for Toscano Cigars. Well, Toscano Cigars. I'm kind of the chief cook and bottle washer of Toscano cigars in the United States, <laughs> uh, but, but technically business development uh, director. Oh, that's your title. I don't know whether that's that's lesser or more or equal or that just means that we I do a whole lot of stuff. We if need you, to we need to put in a pool and figure out a better name for your job. I know, I know. You know we've had, I agree. We've had uh, bourbon savants. We've had luxury specialists. We've had cigar whiskey expert. Whisper, whiskey expert. expert. We need to have a little bit better job uh, job assignment. I think. I, I think I, I think you're right. The most I agree. important question is: Are you Dave Brophy's boss? Well, yes. I'm, I'm kind of his work wife this week. <laughs> you know, I have to Lucky make man. sure he drinks water. I have to look after him. You know, every all day of starts off things. with "Yes, ma'am." What color, ma'am? How high, ma'am? <laughs> I, I think you're you're actually that's a nice way of asking me if I'm bossy. So the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, there is a little bossy boots going on there, I suspect. But yes. So yeah, uh, uh, when when uh, Ian asked me to co-host with him probably two months ago when mm -hmm. Cruz was gonna be out of town, I said I think I know who I want to invite, and it was Dave, and it just so happened that. Belinda was traveling with him this week, so it absolutely worked out perfect. Of course, we can't do tomorrow. We're we're you're going to see this tomorrow, but it's actually today, and she was leaving tomorrow, so we moved it to Wednesday. Yeah, this is a, a pre-recorded episode, and we haven't done a whole lot of those, but we're recording this the day before our, our normal posting, so uh, I'll, I'll still be able to uh, comment on your comments, but you won't hear us talk back on your comments today like we do a lot of times. But that was the price we paid to, to uh, be able to do this on location and be able to get these two wonderful fine guests in today. Uh, Mr. Brophy, uh, 
What? Uh, who are you representing now? Uh, current time. Mic- oh, yeah. microphone. <laughs> that microphone. Everybody wants to hear. Yeah, it helps. So, so it's funny because you're used to not using a mic, and I'm used to using a mic, so it's no, probably I, I was trained. on radio for years. That was my first gig out of college, and I decided I actually wanted to make a living. So, mm. but um, you, you do have a face Cruz for radio. Should be yeah, here I do for have that a face for radio. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> So right now I'm doing Leaf by Oscar and, and Oscar Valladere cigars, Jetline lighters, Toscano. I just started with last month, and um, I guess I can make it official now. Starting next month, I picked up Casa Coifus. Okay, so you've got uh, quite a few. I've got five, which for me the is the perfect number. Nice. You know, I've got some that are established, some I can work on. You know, so I got a little bit of everything going on, and it keeps me occupied, keeps me happy, and. I'm a, the I'm a big fan of the Oscar Valdez uh, cigars. As a matter of fact, I grabbed a Superfly earlier. That's kind of a go-to for me recently, but I love a lot of the cigars from that company. Uh, I'm not real familiar with Toscano, though. Uh, can you tell me a bit about Toscano? How long we've been around? And Well, uh, a little over 200 years, actually. That's it? Yeah, that's it. I know it's a very new company. Right. It's, right. A, it's a fledgling uh, company. No, no history there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Actually, cigars have been made in um, Italy since the early 1500s, uh, when the, uh, you know, in, in the time of, of Christopher Columbus, they used to, uh, they were funded by the nobility and uh, all of their, their ventures. So when they came back home, they would always bring tobacco seeds from the Americas as gifts to the nobility. So cigars were just a rich person's uh, kind of uh, hobby, so to speak. Uh, but we were with, with, with uh, uh, disposable income oh. and all that. Were, were they right smoking on. Davidoffs? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They didn't, have, and and of course, uh, it, it was an accident actually how our cigars came to be, uh, because we always used the type of tobacco that we use, which is Kentucky seed tobacco, and uh, the tobacco leaves were fire cured. But after harvesting and fire curing. There, um, the story goes back from um, 1818 that there was a bunch of the tobacco that was piled up outside and uh, the folks that were farming under Duke Ferdinand, who was in charge of the Tuscan cigar um, uh, operations, whatever for um, what was not quite unified Italy yet, I think at that point. Um, anyway, big downpour. So all of the, um, the uh, fire-cured tobacco got fermented because I mean it lays there they couldn't move it right. starts to smell the ammonia and all of that kind of thing and um, so the cigars look the way that they do because they wanted to recoup their investment you know they don't want to lose all of their money from this damaged crop of tobacco so uh, the Duke told them to roll the cigars with no binder and very crudely and very small and that they would sell them to the masses to the poor people because surely the nobility wouldn't smoke such ugly cigars that were water damaged, right? Let's just give it to the poor people. So, um, and a whole industry is born. A, a whole industry is born. No, absolutely. So we still... Uh, There's an irony there. There is. So we still roll them in exactly the same way. Um, so they're very kind of you know rustic looking uh, cheroots. And uh, it turned out the nobility caught on and loved the cigars. They caught wind that these cigars were delicious because the water fermentation um, really concentrated the nicotine and, and smoothed out all of the flavors. So we still make cigars the same way today. That's fantastic. 
And yes. someone had to be the first one to pick up that fermented tobacco and go, eh, let's well, I'll smoke it. Yeah. The poor, they were selling it very inexpensively, and the, um, uh, there, was, there was word that these cigars were actually good. This is a rustic cigar. Can I show this, like, real close here? Yeah, this is, uh, rustic is a good word. This is what I uh, imagine. This is like, like a Clint Eastwood style in the oh, spaghetti western. Oh, she has a story. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, I'm going to love this. Indeed, I do. So this smells like chocolate. That's a chocolate one. So um, uh, Clint Eastwood was, of course, doing the spaghetti westerns, and they were all filmed in Italy and Spain and whatnot. Hence the and, name Spaghetti Western, Hence the name Spaghetti Western, and Sergio Leone was the you director. Mind? No, please do. And uh, he was a big Toscano fan, which at the time, Toscano was actually a product of the Italian government. We were for many years until it was privately purchased by um, British American Tobacco, and um, then uh, the company was purchased from British American Tobacco by the uh, Macaferi Group, which owns us today. But anyway, Sergio Leone was a big Toscano fan, and he told Clint Eastwood that part of the role was smoking these little cigars. And he said, absolutely not. And he said, with all due respect, Mr. Mr. Eastwood, I'm a very uh, established director, and you're an up-and-coming actor. And if you don't smoke uh, the Toscanos in the films, then I guess I'll hire another actor. So, hence, they, they couldn't say that to him today. No, they could not. They could not. They could not, for sure. Did he become a fan of them, or uh, did he just tolerate them? I wonder. He tolerated I, them. I, I don't know. He probably just tolerated not them his, at the time. He's, he's done an interview that he's not a cigar smoker and did not like smoking them in the movies. Yeah, because you never see him outside of the movies. You never see him. He's not like Schwarzenegger that always has the right. cigar in his mouth. Yeah, as a matter of fact, after he kind of got out of a lot of those spaghetti westerns, you never saw him smoke a cigar again. This is so interesting because there's a little, especially on the retrohale, just a little bit of that chocolate. Yep. Um, but it's not, it doesn't come across as a flavored cigar. It comes across as a, like a straight tobacco with some chocolate. I had a hundred reservations yesterday and she kept saying with coffee, with coffee, with coffee. Do it in the morning with your coffee. And I actually had an ice cold cup of coffee because <laughs> they had come in and I just made a cup of coffee before they got there and I'd set it down. We were, uh, a bunch of people were in the shop and then they walked in and I sat over with them to have a conversation with them and I smoked something else first. I don't, what was the one you gave me yesterday? I think the Viva Chantel. Yeah. And so I smoked that, and then we'd been talking about it through the whole, and that's like an eight-inch cigar, so it wasn't a quick smoke. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do one of these. I'm going to do one. So I went and got my coffee, and let me tell you what, take a, take a, take a sip of a little rum or something with hmm. the, the, the liquid. That. The liquid intensified the flavor in a great way. And with the coffee, it made it fabulous. Anybody else would like rum while I'm pouring? Everybody. Thank you. So everybody else. Just a little smidge, which so, is my nickname, by the way. So I will tell smidge you, or a little this, is, this is not your typical rum. This is funky rubber tire, uh, funky, funky rum. Wonderful. Thank you. I like, I like the chocolate Toscanellos. <clears throat> my two favorite pairings are, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like a Dr. Pepper type drink because you'll start to taste all of these cherry undertones in it. And uh, I make Godfathers. Has anybody ever had a Godfather? 
know what that is? You take some kind of whiskey or bourbon, I like mine with bourbon, and you put a little bit of Amaretto di Sirono in it. And it's, it's an incredibly, it's a very delicious after dinner drink. You have that with one of the chocolate Toscanellos, and I swear it, 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 it just tastes like cherries. It's really delicious. This rum, and I dearly love this rum, so please don't take this the wrong way, but it's so rubbery and chemically and funky. This is the uh, St. Luca pot still. I've never seen this before. Uh, eight, eight year aged, distilled in 2006 at cast strength 62%, which is pretty hot yeah. for a rum. I just smelled it. Adam, I think I'm, I'm drunk already. From here. <laughs> awesome. Adam's wandering around with the cameras today. This is all kind of new, so we're having fun with it. Yeah, normally there's the two cameras. I, I'm so used to, because I guess the last two, three, four times I've been on the show, we've been in the studio, and it's been, you know, the cameras are set, the mics are set, and everything's, it, it's, I think the last time we did on location was here, what? I think so, it was before COVID. Because it was, it was, uh, Chris and Cruz were going in and iPod crashed. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Sometimes we get pod crashed, and yeah. that's that's things you love about technology. <laughs> well, <laughs> pod crashing is is kind of like party crashing. It's when someone comes in and you know and joins in your pod uh, podcast that you're not uh, expecting. Expecting. Which you know sometimes it's fun. Like we we had Charlie Minato on that time. Yeah, that was great. Am I a pod crasher? Because no. I wasn't expected. So no, no, you guys. You no, guys you were expected. Right Oh, okay. Trust me, you'll know when a pod crash happens because it just happens. <laughs> no, yeah, we had uh, we, so we were at Stogie's filming an episode. Um, it was like the we did it on the Thursday before Wingding of 2019. Mm -hmm. I was still with EP Curio, and uh, or no, maybe I had gone to. It was 2018 that we did that. Holy cow! And yeah, and so uh, starting my, to show our age. My buddy Cam was in town, and we had so it was the four of us, and then Charlie came in to to do the wing ding and you know for half wheel, and we asked him to be on the the podcast, and yeah, that was, he was a really good guest on there. Yeah, you should have had him make mojitos. Yeah, <laughs> we could have if we'd had all the stuff. I have to say the uh, the rum and the cigar is such an interesting mix. Are you smoking? The, you're not smoking. Cigar. No, I'm smoking uh, the uh, Maestro de Tempe by. Warp. It's an interesting mix mix because the. Uh, the cigar tempers down some of the rubberiness of the rum, and the rum brings out this bold, like, vanilla flavor in the cigar, which is really interesting. Is it? It's kind of like, uh, I don't know how to describe the, the chocolatiness of this cigar, because it's kind of like, um, the room note is awesome, by the way. Like, this cigar smells great. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, when you put on a flavored chapstick and you expect that flavor, mm -hmm. but it's not really that flavor, flavor, but it smells like that flavor. It's it, <laughs> so I, that's probably a weird, no, no, <laughs> weird way. She <laughs> kept telling me yesterday, you're not going to taste it. You're going to smell it. And the only time I tasted it was when I took a drink. And then in the drink, it was already in my mouth. I could taste more of the chocolate, but I never really tasted the chocolate smoking the cigar. And I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed it. Really interesting. Yeah, judge you, me, I don't care. You know, before the show, one of the things you said is, I smoked a chocolate cigar yesterday. And before I could say anything, you said, before you say anything. <laughs> I knew where I this was it. going. I love it. That was, that was pretty We've funny. all smoked a flavored cigar. 
from time to time, just uh, something different or. I've had some with sweet tips and stuff. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed. I don't. I don't. I don't uh, put my nose up on them. Uh, the ones that are badly made with with basically it smells like they went into Bath and Body Works, <laughs> like that. I can't do. Yeah, I. And you know, I, we were talking about this yesterday. I can't. I don't like the sweet tips. That saccharin triple dip with just molasses hanging off the end of it. I, I don't enjoy that. And that's, we were talking about, I was telling her, um, when the, one of the Deadwoods, when the, when the uh, Leather Rose came out last summer, well, we got a couple of them and I was like, you know, it's, it's so similar to pipe tobacco. I really want to smoke one of these, but I don't want the sweet tip. We went in the kitchen and got a clean sponge. We got some water. Scrub the and tip. we scrubbed the sweet tip <laughs> off and me and Doldee, uh, we smoked them and they weren't bad. So it's, it's interesting because the sweet tip on, on like the Deadwoods and on the uh, Drew Estate Naturals, like n that never bothers me, but the ones that, the ones that are really cloyingly, like you have some in uh, your humidor, I can't think of the name of it. The, are you talking about the Tatianas? Yes, the those cafes, are, those are, so. yeah, some of the cafes are a little too much as okay. well, but. The, uh, as far as for my taste, but this one it's interesting. Is you expect it to be sweet because of the way it smells, and it's not. I'm, I'm trying not to badmouth any of JD's cigars while I'm sitting here, so <laughs> I know the ones I want to say, but I'm not gonna. Just so you know, in the post editing, what I really expect Adam to do is every time um, Alan talks, I want I want like this bump 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 going on behind him. <laughs> And it'll yeah, just cut it. off when everyone else talks. We could do this a little more like a spaghetti western. Everyone gets their own theme within the <laughs> within the uh, composition. That's, right. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. <laughs> All right. At this point in time, I want to take a short break. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be back. In Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program and extravaganza known as worldwide as Smoking and Toasting. Um, so we're back here again with uh, uh, David Brophy and Belinda Doyle, uh, Toscano Cigars. I'm having this, uh, what was this called again? Toscanello. Toscanello Aroma Chocolato. What? Oh, man. What is happening over there? What were you guys saying about pod crashers? Dude, did, <laughs> yeah. So, so the bonds speak the got devil's you? name. Yes. Okay. The I, I hooked him up with a real good bail bonds agent, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how he managed to make it today. Yeah. Uh, what's up, bitches? I, I didn't know that. Out of town. <laughs> yeah. Well, out of town can have many well, meetings. Still could be out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Fort Bend County Jail, Matagorda County Jail. <laughs> so what's going on? I heard you guys are destroying my show. We're we trying. are doing our best Excellent. to discredit your uh, authenticity. Well, as it turns out, my flight was canceled, and I've always wanted to be a guest on the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. You are now a guest on the world's uh, famous Smoking and Toasting. Have you met Alan Denny? I have met We've... Mr. Denny. How are you? I am doing great. You know, Good. it's so funny. You come in at the first segment last week. When I joined y'all's beautiful little podcast on Facebook, the first thing I hear is you going, and I know Alan's going to be co-hosting, and we'll see how much he's going to talk. He's probably going to say everything anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking that maybe Ian could get a word in edgewise. Uh, yeah. Not likely. <laughs> Not likely, yeah. 
So, so you uh, caught us just in time. We're about to try something interesting. I'm known for my excellent timing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we're going to try something. What are you trying? We have this Parish, uh, Parish Brewing um, Berliner style beer with Pinot Noir grape and black currant. Look at this. Can I, we get the camera in on this? I want I you to see the color of this. I have not had this, but I will tell you this. It is from Parish. It's from Parish. So. And they are batting 1,000 with me. I haven't this, had anything from them this that looks I didn't like, think was outstanding. I mean, it looks like some kind of mixed drink. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. It does, actually. It looks like a, a cocktail of sorts. Gonna, so. Stereo. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, you, I thought it'd be fun to just come and sit in on my own show. You guys can do all the lifting. I'll just... Sit here and make snide comments. It'll be awesome. Are you oh. guys familiar with uh, Berliner Weiss style beer? Well, I am. Yes, I yes, am. You are. Yes, I am. It's always a little bit sour. A little bit. <laughs> and, well, it's uh, not as sour as some of the like fruited sours can no, be. No, it's not. It's not. You know, there's it's, a few. There's a few of places a in town that have iced tea with black currant in it, and I absolutely love that flavor. So I thought. Mm-hmm. Finding that in a Berliner Weiss with Pinot Noir grape would be a truly entertaining beer to have on the show. It's so bizarre looking. Yeah. It's like if you made a hazy IPA mauve in color. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> are, uh, are you going to fix someone? Do I get to try one? Oh, you know what? <laughs> you weren't on the show just a minute ago, I'm a, so my I'm count is off. Yeah. Uh, That's actually guess. really well, delicious. Four, four cups a segment. That's it. Uh, I have to try <laughs> my Four cups in. only. There's I'll, re- more I'll reuse my cup. How about that? Have you had any chance to try this yet? This is delicious. I'm, I'm very surprised. This it's is very berry on the yeah. nose. Yeah. Well, it's not a surprise to me as I've drank two bottles of it already myself. <laughs> it's absolutely different. It's barely beer, but it's just enough beer to be there. And it's delightful. It's uh, the, the current in there. Leave such a great aftertaste on the tongue. You could have almost had this on the hard seltzer episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you though, the um, the uh, Saint Arnold Raspberry AF is a Berliner Weiss with raspberry, and it is just completely different from yeah. this. Yeah. They they almost don't feel like they're in the same category. This is um, it's got. A lot of fizz to it as well, but mm-hmm. in a Berliner Weiss, that's usually a plus. Yeah, I was going to say, in this case, it works, didn't it? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about this? I like it. Mr. Brophy. I can see that cleaning, cleansing my palate between cigars, too. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <clears throat> Cruz, what do you think of the cigar? Uh, this is great. This is one of the... Uh, explain this cigar to me, because this is uh, one from your box there of... This is one from her box yes. there. Okay, so tell me. Yes. So um, Toscanellos have been around. Uh, well, we've been making, you weren't here for the first segment, so I must tell They're you. They're only about 200 years about old. About 200 years old. Oh, that's all. Okay. So uh, in the 1980s, uh, we started making some uh, of the shorter cigars, mm-hmm. the Toscanellos, to go with coffee. So all of the typical flavors to go with coffee, we have uh, chocolate, an actual cafe flavor, macchiato, vanilla, um, grappa, and uh, we have aniche, which anise in the United States, which, by the way, if you're smoking, like, all day long, and you have a million cigars in, and you want to cool your palate, is about the best thing out there that you can you can smoke. Nice. They're absolutely fantastic. But anyway, these are, um, they all have lijero leaf. 
they're they're actually quite strong yeah um, uh, for a flavored cigar right mm-hmm and um, it's actually an aroma. It's all food-grade extracts um, uh, in a vapor process, and it's just really nice. You don't really taste uh, anything to the palate, but you smell it to the nose. Right. They don't have those those sweet tips, the cloyingly sweet tips that... Uh, then a lot of the flavored cigars. Yeah, they yeah. just don't. That's off-putting to a lot of people. It, well, though. it is yeah. to me. I know. Me too. I, I mean, I, I enjoy like, like the, the uh, something from, you know, the Drew Estate acid line. Every every once in a while, when I'm in the mood for something like that, but um, but I've had the ones before where they have that little bit of honey on the uh, or sweetness on the on the wrapper, and it just it throws the whole cigar off for me. <laughs> um, but this is now. Let me ask you a question about this because with the FDA moving to ban flavored cigars, does this wind up being classified as a flavored cigar because it of will. the extract? Okay. It will. Yeah, I'm hoping that never happens. I'm really hoping we that never are. happens, but um, yeah, it would it would be classified because it does have a, a food grade <coughs> extract and uh, and whatnot. So, mm. sadly, and not clearly. only not only does it make me feel like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, you don't. But this look thing, like Clint Eastwood. This thing I uh, started smoking in the last segment, and it's still going. So I'm on almost 20 minutes on this. Cigar. Yeah, I was going to say this. And it's a tiny cigar. It smokes pretty <coughs> slow, which is awesome. Um, well, they're very dense. They're uh, um, fire cured and then water fermented, and the water fermentation process makes them firm, and uh, the ash doesn't fall off. They don't, um, you know, you could relight them many times if you lay it down and walk away and come back. They still taste the same. It's really a different smoking experience. And you said there's no binder in these, right? No this is just filler and wrapper, wrapper mm-hmm. down to two components. What are you smoking over there? Uh, Classico. That's the Classico? This is the one that was actually used in the movies. Oh, the okay, gotcha. The Classico is a 100% Italian tobacco fire cured with oak. Um, it's our bestseller in the United States. It's really, uh, even our mildest of cigars are still medium. Um, none of them are really particularly mild um, because when you water ferment and uh, fire cure, you're kind of concentrating the nicotine quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, a lot of. Get a little fuller flavors. The overall flavor profile. Yeah, it's got a big flavor to it, but it doesn't. It's the aroma is where the chocolate just seems so intense. But I don't get any of it in the smoke. It's just the the room note. The aroma. Yeah. 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 Very very interesting. I like. Learn it. something new every day. Right. So I did. Right. right. So is this? I, I, I see you have a box of them there. Is that how they're sold? And. Uh, boxes? Uh, five packs. Many stores actually sell the singles. So oh, okay. uh, we have uh, a, a core selection of four different aromas, uh, vanilla, chocolate, uh, cafe, and macchiato. And um, you could try any of them in many stores, buy the singles, see what you like, and then buy mm-hmm. a five pack later on. What does a five pack of these go for generally? Uh, about $14. Nice. Nice. Well, they're they're as Ian was saying, they're definitely long smoking. I mean, it looks like something that would take you about 15 minutes to smoke, but it would, it definitely will last longer it's, than that. Yeah, mine's still going. I like on the back it says strength one of five and then sweet and velvety taste and aroma hints of cherry. So you have this little chart here. Is that is that throughout all your cigar line? Yes. Yes, it, it is. Every, every single cigar has some kind of description on it as far as strength and tasting notes and whatnot. I had that one yesterday. That and this is a fourteen ninety two. This is a strength four out of five. Spicy and tangy taste. 
hickory with notes of molasses and honey. Now the 1492 is all American tobacco, and uh, so it's fire cured primarily with hickory. And in Italy, it's very popular selection, but they call it the fat American. <laughs> the fat because, American. Which they do. They're a little bit, uh, they're a little bit uh, bigger of a ring gauge than the rest of our cigars are, so they call them the fat American. The fat American. Okay, and this is sold as two cigars. Correct. <coughs> now, is is uh, ring gauge in European cigar sales? Are thinner ring gauges more common, more uh, sought after, and and is the big fat Cigar, is that more of an American thing, or, or is it... Uh... I find so. I mean, uh, usually there you'll find a lot of petite Coronas, a lot of Robustos, Coronas, that kind of thing. Um, I know in the UK they charge their tobacco tax by weight. Nice. So a lot of times they're just not going to be bringing in the big ring right. gauges because it's just so expensive. It's, it's a prohibitive tax, taxation-wise. Makes sense. It's almost like being in California. Yeah, California's working oh. on that right now. Yeah. It's just They're trying ridiculous. to tax you right out of cigars. Canada, yeah. I mean, it's the taxation is just ridiculous. It's uh, it's getting to the point where California is beginning to run out of things to tax. <laughs> you know, they, so they just add more tax. Yeah, right, right. So New York yeah. is even higher now. They're at a seventy-five percent tax. Yeah, it is ridiculous. And Absolutely think crazy. if you think about that, that all that basically does is put New York tobacconists essentially out of business. Pretty much. Yeah. Because if I lived in New York, I'd be ordering everything online. That's just so well, impressive. If, you, if know? you are driving out of New York State into New Hampshire, mm -hmm. on both sides of the road, there are these two giant cigar shops. Yes. Because New Hampshire's tobacco, tobacco tax rate is cha-ching. Well, yes, because wow. I, I lived in Boston, and one of my favorite places to shop Although there were a number of cigar stores in Boston I loved, but if I was looking to spend a little money, I would go. I would just drive up the forty-minute drive across the New Hampshire border and go to Two Guys Smoke Shop, and uh, you know, sit there and have a cigar and buy a bunch to take home. Yeah. It, uh, it, it by the time you eliminate that tax, you're saving all kinds of money. It's already sure. paid for your yeah. gas and everything else. Right. Well, if you if you live in New York, and there are some there are some shops in New York. They're not all gone, but it's a go in and smoke a cigar to support your retailer while right. you're enjoying a cigar. It's not go in and, oh, I need a box of Florida Los Antilles and I need a box of this. And I, the tax rate's just outrageous. So people either order online or they go out of state. Yeah, it's, it, it's amazing what that does. Which is, to which an is crazy because they, they tax it so much, they, they're going to make money, but they're really just driving the cigar profits. Completely out well, of the. If you look at state. Arkansas as an example, you know, years back when they imposed their tobacco tax, you know, there's all these things right over the border in Tennessee and <laughs> Missouri and Texas, and when they finally went back to a 50 cent cap, because out of like the 11 stores in the state, I think eight of them had closed, and so you know the whole purpose of raising more money just went out the window and went to other states. Right. Yeah. So they put the cap back down to 50 cents. More stores reopened. They got you know. They're probably making more off the 50 cent than they were, you know, doing it whatever percentage they were. I think it was like I, I don't. 50, 55 percent or something like that, if I remember correctly. Right, right. We've talked about, uh, you know, crazy liquor laws on the show before. When I lived in Boston, I used to love this. The Massachusetts liquor laws were that you bought beer, wine, spirits. None of it was available at the grocery store. You had to go to a 
beer store. Um, I think what was it? Cappy's. I think was the one that that I used to go to. Kind of the specs of that area. And you would go there. You would pick everything up. But they were not allowed to be open on Sundays, except during the you know because it's a sin to buy alcohol on Sundays, right? Right. So well, uh, except Texas from the week before Thanksgiving through New Year's. When they were allowed to open on Sunday, just the holiest time of the year. Uh, but the reason that that went down that way is because every holiday season they were losing so much money to people who were driving across the border to New Hampshire, New Hampshire uh, buying liquor and bringing it home. And so they just said it was a purely, purely fiscal decision when they decided to do right, that. Right, right. And well. for all I know now, it's it's changed, but that's the way it was. I, I don't think I, I think that the, the reasoning for raising the taxes is different than it used to be. I think it used to be to raise revenue. I think it's now because they just want us gone. I really yeah, think that they want to get rid of um, the tobacconists in the state. I really sincerely do. At this point in time, especially they're targeting uh, and they're coupling us along with it the domestic cigars, the domestic flavored cigars in particular, mm-hmm. um, and they're kind of. You know, they're saying they're, they're targeted toward children. I don't necessarily agree or disagree. You know. And they're pulling us around with it. That's the business, I think, a, that they wanted to go away. on that point, early, uh, early on in this show, uh, Cruz came in with a statistic that um, the government spent, and, you know, when the government does a study, they don't spend, you know, a few thousand dollars on it. They spend, you know, a few million dollars on it, right? And the government did a study that found that less than like something like less than 10% of uh, people under the age of 18 smoke hand-rolled cigars. Well, it was, it was like less than 1%. Or something, yeah, it was some yeah, ridiculous it was like amount. Tiny. They yeah. spent money to figure this out. Yeah. And, and then they think, okay, you're marketing these to kids. There's, there's nothing on this that looks like when I was well, seven years old that makes me go, man, I want this or 14 years old and go, man, I want this. Like, that doesn't even make sense. When I was 14 years old, I had other things. I wanted to go buy a CD. I wanted to go buy, yeah. buying a, a five pack of cigars was not even right. yeah. in the also, realm of what I wanted I also would do. like to point out, if, if, we, if we're all familiar with the movie Idiocracy, because I feel like we are oh, going wow. that way a little bit. <laughs> um, I also want to point out that a few years back we had this whole Tide Pod thing. And yeah. people were stating that Tide Pods look like candy. Did you? Did you not realize that every single thing in nature that's brightly colored hurts you? <laughs> like that's that's that should be like ingrained in us, right? <laughs> Those Tide Pods look like warning. They don't look like candy. <laughs> well, when you talk about when you talk about taxes on cigars and cigarettes, I mean to me it's really pretty simple how that happens because there is yet to be a politician who was elected or reelected based on the platform of I'm going to raise your taxes. Yeah. But it's really easy, even if you're running for re-election, to tax sinful things sure. like cigars or cigarettes or alcohol, those type of things. They can pile up the taxes on those and never get called on it, except occasionally by like the cigar industry when we you know, had Cigar Rights of America and these other groups trying to... Uh, uh, lobby on our behalf with this stuff, but it's 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 frustrating because it is discriminating against one particular group of consumers, and it's 
It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's interesting. We, we were speaking about New Hampshire. Um, we actually, all of our cigars that are in the boxes, so we make uh, five to six million hand-rolled cigars a year, but we make 215 million machine-made cigars right. a year. The only difference between our machine-made cigars and our handmade cigars, obviously the way they're rolled, it, um, all the tobacco is, is the same. It's all the same care. Uh, going into the tobacco is our um, hand-rolled cigars just more aged obviously we're gonna make those you know a lot more special we're gonna age them more but um, in New Hampshire if it's a machine-made cigar uh, there's a 65% tax that's the only really? cigar yeah that's taxed in New Hampshire so when wow. we sell and we do very well in New Hampshire our cigars in New Hampshire there's a 65% tax Wow. So um, it's not even uh, flavors anymore that they're targeting. It's just specifically machine-made cigars. New Hampshire is actually targeting the cigars that people are using for other things. Right. Possibly, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I think that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. and we're uh, kind of caught in the, in the crosshairs of that. Mm -hmm. um, New, York, New York State also, uh, for an individual stick, an individual cigar, it has to be a minimum of $7. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely right? crazy. Yeah. Like a minimum of seven dollars, no minimum matter what. Minimum seven dollars. Yeah, so much for the so. dog walkers. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? yeah. yeah. And yeah. and Zeno's new cigar comes in at six something. Right, that's automatically seven. Yeah, I didn't like it very much anyway. But Alan, what what percentage of tax do you have to uh, levy on a cigar that you sell? Oh, it's rough here in Texas. Yeah, one cent per cigar eh, it's like one cent and 1.1 1 .1, or something but it's it's negligible and i don't know any shop in that i'm friends with the owners and i'm friends with a lot of them that oh well i've got to add that one cent you just you eat it and okay there your invoice came in at eight dollars per stick and and so that means it should be 16 we usually round down to 15.99 and that's where it's, we Everybody yeah, yeah, does. No yeah. one's worried about that Makes penny sense. to pass it on to consumers. The shops just eat it. But it's not that way everywhere. I remember no, no. A, a couple of summers ago when I went and spent a month working in uh, Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ian came out. We did a show at the uh, the uh, Beverly Hills mm -hmm. uh, uh, Cigar, Cigar Club. Lounge, yeah. um, but uh, because I knew Ian was coming out, I'd gone out there with a little you know, humidor of cigars that I took with me. And I... I was out there by myself. I blew through those pretty fast. Yeah. So I remember going out and looking at the, uh, the cigar shops there and going, holy moly. <laughs> and I called Ian and said, man, you got to do me a solid. I need you to bring me a bunch of cigars. I'll pay you back. <laughs> well, we, we get a lot of tourists from Louisiana to the shop. Yeah. 15%. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they walk in and they're like, why are your cigars so cheap? Oh, where are you from? <laughs> I'm yeah. from Louisiana. I think Arkansas is what ten percent with the cap. Uh, that's a fifty cent. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oklahoma is ten percent across the board. Those are really negligible. Right. You know, a dime on a dollar. It's not that much. Um, Fifteen percent. Then you start, and a lot of states are a lot higher. I will say it was great to hear that. Uh, I believe it was Minnesota. Yeah, they did just put a cap cast on. a cap yeah. of fifty yeah. cents, oh. and they have had a they. There was a large group of shops. It was kind of like what I, what uh, what Up in Smoke used to be in Dallas mm -hmm. through the Twin Cities up there. And the guy had no choice. People were just ordering everything online. Right. And so it's going to it's going to drastically drop. Yeah, the so uh, I, my brother lives in Minnesota. 
And uh, for the longest time, anytime he'd come down through Texas, he's a pipe smoker, so he'd buy uh, a bunch of pipe tobacco on his way back because it gets real expensive there real quick. So you were talking earlier, you were reading the, the strength on one of those. So I just picked up another box because I hadn't had that one. And I look on the back and it says five of five. I immediately just grabbed one out. <laughs> I will say strength-wise, it hadn't hit me yet. We'll see when I get through when it gets a little wider. But flavor-wise, this is really, really good. And which one is that you're smoking? So this is the Antico? Antico. That's the Antico. Okay. So Antico, uh, interestingly enough, a Cigar Journal does Cigar of the Year every year. They do a Dominican, a Honduran, and a Nicaraguan. And then they have one category for the rest of the world, whether you're Costa Rican, wherever mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And we won uh, last year's Cigar of the Year um, over some really, really fierce competitors like Byron Atabay and, um, you know, things like that for Cigar of the Year. Uh, the Antico is... Uh, Classico had been our best seller. I think Antico is going to uh, eclipse that this so, year. So before we take a, a quick break, I do want to point out one little elephant in the room for me is um, I'm not used to buying cigars this way. This feels strange to me. Exactly. Like this feels very yeah. weird. It feels like I'm buying a, a machine made or something like that. It's it's a very, just just tactically, it's, it's bizarre to me. It's been a very new experience for Americans to get used to it. Um, it's funny, everybody always asks us what our smokers are, you know, who, who smokes your cigars? And I said, everybody. Um, in most of our, we found kind of our niche in the United States is we um, uh, have point of purchase displays. They're usually pretty close to the cash register. And so everybody's going and buying whatever it is they're going to buy normally and then come to the cash register and grab a few of each for opportunity smoking, <coughs> meaning yeah. that if you're stuck in traffic and you didn't plan ahead, you got a couple in the glove box, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're going fishing, you're, you're, um, you're on the motorcycle, you can stick it in the sa saddlebag, not have to worry about it. So is humidification not as important for these? Not as important at all, because of the water fermentation, okay. not the, um, uh, the fire curing. Uh, it, it's, um, you can humidify them uh, perfectly fine. I, to me, I, I don't like any more than 65% on them mm -hmm. myself. They get a little milder when you humidify them. Mm. So it's funny. You have people that are big Toscano fans that have a big preference one way or the other, humidified or not humidified. Interesting. <laughs> um, uh, they, and they'll argue with you about it. So, I'll also say the ash holds on really well, too. Yeah. So, uh, so you're saying if you buy a package of these like this, this is something you can literally just leave in your car and it'll be fine. Well, I mean, that being... With timber, because like because it, it does yes. get like you know 140 degrees in the car out here in Texas. But um, so we talked about this yesterday, and <clears throat> Dave and Belinda left me a nice allotment of samples, and so okay. uh, <laughs> this is where my sample order went. Everybody, there, <laughs> there was one cigar, um, but I took two of them. I put them in a Ziploc bag. I last night before I went home, got in the glove box. And they're in the bottom of my center console glove box, and I'm going to leave them there for a year. And, and next just spring, see how it happens. Next huh? spring, I'm going to pop one out, and we'll see. If what it works they are. really well, I can see splayed on the box a little star that says "Glove Box <laughs> Aged." Right? <laughs> if they the can new, make the it, new trend, if they can yeah, the, make it through our summer here in Texas, yeah. Interestingly yeah, enough, right. in the in the uh, in the New England states, it's uh, 
they were always telling me that it's the only cigar they could smoke when it's super cold outside, like if you have to walk the dog or right. clean off the car or something like that. Um, they actually will, you can light them, they'll stay lit, they won't explode, they won't do anything bad. They're, they they smoke perfectly fine in cold weather, too. Interesting. Yeah. We don't have that issue here in Houston. You, you could literally... Well, 20 February. Yeah. <laughs> you could literally uh, smoke one of those for whatever, a third of the way, halfway down, um, and say, I don't want to smoke it any longer, I'm going to save it for later. Do the usual, cut off the lid end, purge it, and forget about it. Say, wanna, put it in a drawer. Uh, to our audience, she talks about cut off the lid end and purge it. What that means is... Obviously, you take your clips and, and cut it behind where it's lit, and then you blow through the cigar to purge the stale smoke mm -hmm. out of it. That's, mm -hmm. that's for those of us who don't know a lot about that. It's a pretty cool Seriously, thing light it up a month later, and it will taste exactly the same. <laughs> that's, that's madness. That is, You've got to try it. Talk. You've got to tell me whether I'm, I'm full of it or not, but it, seriously, it's, it's, uh, it's a strange phenomena. So you're saying no relay penalty on any of these? Absolutely. Nice. It, it creates smoking opportunities. I mean, we uh, before Nat Sherman closed New York City, loved that store. They were one of our biggest customers because of commuters. They would carry, mm, you know, a, a pack in their briefcase um, or whatever. So if they get stuck in traffic or or uh, whatever opportunity, it was there. Awesome. That's that's right. one of Cruz's favorite companies. We're going to wrap this and take a uh, take a short break, and then we'll come back with a short segment to taste another beer. Welcome back to the world famous smoking and toasting. Ah, <laughs> caught you off guard. You didn't know I was going to do that. That's why I, I asked know. if we were ready. <laughs> so, okay. Ian, so, what do you have for with us With your now? special guest. So, uh, yes, with our special <laughs> guest, Cruz. <laughs> right. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going uh, on a theme here since I brought this, uh, this Berliner style with Pinot Noir grape and black currant. I now have Anderson Hill. Um, uh, from Boonville, Cal uh, California, Ander Anderson Valley, sorry. Mm -hmm. Thribble mm -hmm. Current is what we're about to try, and this is American. I've had, I've had their canned beers. I've never had any of their stuff that comes in a bomber. This That's is an American wild ale with natural flavors. I didn't Current even know they did bombers. I've only seen their canned stuff. Now, uh, Ian, where did you uh, where did you pick that up? This was, I picked it up at Specs. Nice. Uh, I picked up a bottle a while back, and let me open that. While you were at Specs, did you hear a mysterious voice over the... Over the I heard that guy. He's awesome. Yeah. That guy's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, that's that's its own story. <laughs> but uh, no, I picked up a bottle, and I have a friend of mine that really loves uh, sour beers and Berliner style beers and those kind of things. So I split a bottle with him, and it was absolutely delightful. So I'm going to share this with you guys. I've got glasses piling up here. I, I and drink faster. Well, that's okay. This is a short segment. We can do a cleanup after this. So. <laughs> This makes me think where the wild things are. Thing that makes me nervous. The more beer I drink, the sexier I think I am. So. <laughs> you need a lot more. That's called, just tell you. That's called reverse beer goggles. <laughs> <laughs> reverse beer goggles. Yeah. Well, it's better than beer speedos. That's so, Dave, I, I, yeah, I know we've got Belinda here, thing. but y'all have any of your other brands have anything new and exciting coming out you want to talk about? Um, Oscar does have one coming at the show that. Um, some are just short of signing a letter of NDA on it, but uh, the, the, I, the, the package is spectacular. I mean, Oscar, like on the Superfly, went off the wall on the packaging, some things like that. This is off the charts. That's like the greatest uh, Yeah, the Superfly ever. And I love that. I love the cigar anyway, but the packaging is 
is always cool. This this is uh, I, I would put this up with the shock factor, like the original. Uh, what was the uh, CAO that had the lights around the vision order? Was that was yeah. called. Yeah. yeah, this is. Uh, it doesn't have the lights, but what it does have is pretty spectacular. little uh, marketing tip for you. If they release, like, a line extension of the Superfly, it should totally be the Superfly TNT. Thank you. I was a child of the 70s. Thank you. Uh -huh. The way it came out packaged, I thought they were going to do some... They did They did a Connecticut, and they did the package and saw in pink. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it wouldn't go along the same, but it would. They should do one and put a purple, purple footband on it call it the prince I want, I want it i want it set up so that when you open the super flat box you get that boom boom, boom, <laughs> boom i wanted to do a size boom, called boom. fred is dead you know but, <laughs> <laughs> no, very few people in the meeting caught that the ones of us that were old enough understood it <laughs> you know some of these young guns are like huh that's what i said <laughs> uh, so ian what is the name of this anderson valley beer again this is thribble current thribble current yes it's a blast to say thribble current it yeah it sounds like a Starcraft. It's just one of those fun words. Yeah, the trouble with thribbles. Yeah. <laughs> See, I can geek out too. The uh, this truly unique American wild ale began by taking our brother something's triple. Um, I, the label's a little ripped, so I can't read all of it. So there's going to be a few somethings in here. Mm -hmm. Something uh, something. Uh, something's triple wort from the kettle and adding it to wine barrels to undergo 100% barrel fermentation. The wild yeast bacteria after several months. Uh, a healthy dose of black currants is added, and it begins an extended aging uh, process in barrels. Then it's all scrunched up. Ah, there we go. Well, it has a chance uh, until it has well until it has matured and reached the perfect balance of sourness and complexity. Thrible currant pours to a deep burgundy color with a bracing sourness and subtle sweetness, and hints of oak, dark fruit and wild berry. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, for a wild ale, it's very drinkable and refreshing. Because mm -hmm. sometimes wilds, you're like, okay, I love what I'm tasting, but I don't want but very much of it. But it's too much of it, right. yeah, they yeah. can be rich. And, and this one is not so much that way. It, uh, it's very drinkable. Uh, it's certainly got that wild ale funk to it, mm -hmm. but the, uh, the uh, current seems to kind of calm it down a little. Which is which for me at least really. It's works. got a great finish, if you ask me. It has a dry, fruity finish, more almost like a wine does a lot of times, uh, like a like a white wine does. Um, it's also just a paltry uh, ten point five percent. Oh, that's all. Okay. So now you're getting in your zone. <laughs> yeah, no, I was worried about you with that first beer because it was only like a four point six. I think that was a little out of character for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like big beers. <laughs> But, uh, but it was good, too. No, this is delicious, and it is, as all good bombers, I think, should be, the kind of beer that you would want to open up when you have, you know, have a friend over, you're sharing it, you're talking about it. It's that, yeah. that kind of Yeah, and as much as I love this, I don't know that I could commit to a whole bomber by myself. Right. It's, it's exactly that. Agreed. You know what but I it's get fun from to this? Share. It's like a white wine spritzer. You know, it's got a little of that. You know, it's got some carbonation. Mm -hmm. It's got a little bit of that dry finish. Yep. That you would get from something like that. A little that. bit of bitterness to it. This is mm -hmm. not made by Bartles and James. VJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for this segment. We'll uh, we'll uh, come back with another 20 minutes. Oh, and by the way, you just, uh, you know, I didn't arrive empty-handed. I mean, this is you guys' show. I'm just a guest. But I did arrive with drinking news. I love that you pod crash with the intensity of, I am just a guest. I am. Stick with it, man. Yeah. 
Oh, but but you know what else I got? What's that? I have tequila news from Liliana. So you have drinking news and tequila news? Yes. I'm going to have to come up with a whole nother song. You're going to have to come up with a whole nother song. You've got a, a segment or two to go to figure that out. <laughs> Maybe something with a little flamenco ukulele. <laughs> Would that work? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, we'll sorry. figure something out. Didn't mean to mess up the end of the segment. <laughs> we'll be back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fine Radio Podcast and Extravaganza known as Smoking and Toasting. Woohoo! <laughs> it's fun being a guest. We're brought to you by uh, uh, CigarShirts.com. Uh, fine cigar apparel for everybody. A little snarky sayings on it for you snarky cigar smokers. And uh, MyCigarShirts.com because... Cigars. Mm, see, you just say because and people know. Yeah. There's new new designs, by the way. I have to ask you on this. Uh, if I light this at the wrong end, because it looks... Like, if, if you took the label off of this, it would be hard to tell which end you're supposed to light. Would there be any penalty for that? There is no right or wrong end. Okay, so it's just arbitrary. Absolutely. Okay. So let me ask you a question. All, all joking aside, I'm curious. If I cut this cigar in half, would it come unraveled? Or would I have two small cigars? Two small cigars. Nice. World War II, production was very big, Toscanos were very popular. All the boys went off to war and they stopped production because they had far too many cigars, no need to make any more. Boys came home from war, wanted cigars, so they started cutting them in half to keep up with supply while they got everybody back to work in another crop of tobacco and could start making cigars again. So uh, they call it the cigar friendship now because you take one of the long cigars, cut it in half, and share it with a friend. Huh. Nice. Will you be my cigar friend, Ian? <laughs> we can be cigar buddies. I can't ask Cruz because he pod crashed us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is why I had to show up to keep you guys from getting too cozy during the show. <laughs> he Alan Denny'd our show. Yeah, That's he did. true. <laughs> I wanted to see what it was like, you know? You, you Chris Hart want to be. <laughs> <laughs> How is our buddy Chris Hart? Have you spoken to him? Uh, yeah, we do lunch together uh, almost every other week, maybe once every third week. Uh, work on the social um, and get together. And he's just, he's busy. Um, you know, he had Brendan Schaub on the podcast not too long ago. He's, you know, he, you know, he, he's doing them hoity toity people now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but, oh, you guys are slowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have Alan well, Man, I'm going to tell you, he had. Uh, He's he's put some big names on. Oh, Whiskey I know. Neat. Will, he had William H Macy on there. He had uh, I can never remember her name, but she played Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica. She's been in The Mandalorian. Right. Um, Katie Sackhoff. Katie Sackhoff was on his show. Uh, he's had some some big names on there, but he's also doing his own bottling. He's got his own. own I'm sorry, uh, his own modeling. Bottling. Oh, I'm sorry. He, you know, I he's thought, got the. I th- you just blew my mind because I thought you said Chris that Hart starts Chris modeling. Hart modeling. The, the pits of hell are going to open when he up. He starts and, modeling. Yeah, yeah. there's. But uh, yeah, he he just stays super busy. I mean, we really have to, for us to do lunch, we have to schedule it like a week and a half out to make sure we're both off and we can get together, gotcha. and we do it at Ohio. Every At time. Ohio, yes, Ohio is. Have you a, been there yet? No, I have not. It's oh. a sushi place yeah. that's uh, it, it's down the south. Best one of the, it's the best sushi south of like one of the expensive places in Midtown or downtown that, that I've eaten, and it's, it's all, all you can, you eat, can sushi. eat. Oh, I love all you can eat. So uh, during a break, 
you were telling us an interesting story about a mm. roller that you know of. Yeah, so one of the rollers at EP Carrillo, the, the best roller, the fastest roller, he gets the front table. He's not just the fastest, he's the fastest and the best. And he got that position by challenging the woman that was the top roller at the time. So a challenge is like a, it's, a and he he a goes yeah so he goes to the factory manager and he says hey I think I can outroll this person and it's like okay let's try it in my mind they go and throw a cigar down at their feet <laughs> and you don't slap them I with the gloves you. anymore <laughs> yeah that's the way it should be it's it's like the glove but it's a cigar and uh, so <laughs> so he had gone to the factory manager Looks and he wanted different. to challenge the the woman that had it. And the way they do it is they roll three cigars. Ernesto judges it. They set it up for a couple days later or when Ernesto's not the DR as soon as he gets back to the DR. <clears throat> because they roll the three cigars and then Ernesto checks them out, looks at them, makes sure they're... And it's not just, let's roll a Robusto. It's usually uh, like a, a pig or a torpedo, something. Maybe Perfecto it's got a fantail. Or, it, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a hard cigar to roll. And... Ernesto checks them out, then he cuts them, checks the draw, makes sure that those cigars are perfect, and whoever got the best time, and it's three perfect cigars, gets to go to the front table, and then they get a week off with pay. Within the DR, that's a big deal, you know, a full yeah. week off with pay. And the guy that's there now, the last time I was in the DR and I was down there with them, and they were rolling something uh, from Crown Heads, and it was something with a pigtail, and so he was rolling the cigar and doing the pigtail, and how fast he did it was absolutely amazing. He rolled the cigar and do the pigtail and have it done in about 25 seconds. That's absolutely yeah. and, crazy. And I was asking, I, said, I asked David, I said, so has anybody attempted to, to beat him? <coughs> not, not since he got it. There's no one that No one that comes him. close to that, yeah. No. Just out of curiosity, if he was rolling that fine a cigar in 25 seconds, what does it take to roll a Gurkha, like three and a half? Does it take that long? I'm not Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like, mean, have you have you had the construction of those cigars? That's what I'm so, talking I mean, about. Must be like three and a half seconds. Well, and the, the, pro the problem is... is This it, is the part it, of the show where we bash Gurkha yeah, because of it's, the construction. It's not, just the, it's not just the rolling of the cigar, but it's also with Gurkha, I think the problem is the Buncheros. Mm. When they're trying to get it all together, because when those cigars explode, which is the best way, because I think we've all had an exploding Gurkha yes. at one point or another. I know the three of us had. I'm not going to bring y'all into this uh, this uh, equation, but a lot of that's the Bunchero. It's not necessarily yeah. the roller. It can be because they didn't roll it tight enough or they rolled it too tight, but that a lot of times is the Bunchero. But I will say they've gotten better. Since when? Yesterday? Well, I, the last couple of Gurkhas that I've tried have been an improvement so there, over the exploding Gurkhas but of there are 2019. Different levels of Gurkha as well. Like they have their uh, what is it? Their signature line. Their something. The CH. The uh, the uh, Reserva. The Reserva. Yeah, I mean those are rolled in a different place. Well, a lot. You would quality. not believe how many different factories roll Gurkha cigars. Yeah. Uh, I bet I would. <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, the, the Reserva 18s, which I actually enjoy that cigar mm -hmm. um, when it's rolled correctly. Mm -hmm. oh, here we go. So have you got some music for Tequila News? This is good. See, this is... So our tequila expert, Liliana Love Rodriguez, it. who is awesome, um, 
just sent this over this morning. She's like, I put together some tequila news. I don't know if you want to use it for drinking news or what. I was like, well, I, and I read it. And I'm like, oh, no, this is this isn't drinking news. This is its own segment. So as a guest, I'm proposing a segment on uh, tequila news from what she calls herself our un, her, our unofficial tequila reporter. But, <laughs> but that's bullshit. She's our tequila expert. tequila expert, hands down. I know she's just modest. That's all. Uh, according to the May 17, 2021 NOM, Norma Official Mexicana, list from the Tequila Regulatory Council, there are now 144 companies bottling tequila with a total of 1,497 brands. Tequila has just absolutely exploded. And that's why every time you're in the store and you're on the tequila aisle, there's ones there that you've never seen before. It's amazing that there's that much blue agave being grown in Mexico. Have you watched them take one of those plants down? That isn't... You know, agave is not like a pineapple where you just pick it up. Those are big plants. Yes, they are. They're huge. Uh, The uh, current top three distilleries production-wise are... Distilladora de Valle de Tequila has 143 brands. La Cofradia, La Cofradia with 72 brands. And Tequila Selecto de Ametian with 63 brands. Sorry if I'm massacring the pronunciations there, uh, Liliana. Uh, leaving far behind the traditional Casa Cuervo with 43 brands. Uh, and Tequila Salsa, which has 19. Uh, and Liliana says, and I love this, she says, in my opinion... Quantity does not represent quality. That's a fact. You go. Uh, But 309 brands are now bottled outside of Mexico. 99 brands in the U.S., 71 in Spain, 27 in France, 25 in Germany. So it can still be bottled outside Outside. of Mexico and be tequila. But it has to be right, exactly. Um, And there's a number of other countries that do it as well, including even Holland and the DR and Japan and the U.K., among other news, the Tequila Matchmaker May newsletter mentions that there could be a shortage of añejos in the near future, higher prices or both. Uh, the reasons given include the high price of raw materials, a kilo of agave, which is about 2.2 pounds, was worth $4 in Mexican pesos in 2016. Now it costs 23 Mexican pesos per kilo. Because of the pandemic, many people have purchased many Añejo tequilas to keep their bars at home well stocked. Yeah. I certainly have. You'll think. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, a competitor tequila designed as Cristalino is now being heavily marketed as smoother or as premium tequila. The Cristalinos are tequilas that have been filtered, uh, usually through charcoal to remove the color. We've seen those, the clear-colored uh, tequilas. Mm-hmm. We've had some of those, in fact. Um, anyway, uh, the... Uh, <clears throat> It's filtered through uh, oak barrels. Uh, it's filtered to take out the color that it acquires from the oak barrels right. during the aging process. Uh, and further, a surge of Cristalino tequilas made with Reposado, uh, aged only two months, are now hitting the market. So that's kind of the next thing. And finally, uh, some owners of tequila stores in the town of, uh, man, I'm going to murder this, Tiaquipaque, Jalisco, have reported already a shortage of Añejos. So... My advice to you, Onion Tequila fans, is buy them now and stick them in your bar because they're likely to be going up. And I'm low on Reserva de la Familia, so. Tequila news, tequila news. That was time for tequila news. Oh, I like it. See, I like the minor yeah. thing. That worked. 
So, Liliana, thank you, our tequila expert, awesome. keeping us up to speed. <laughs> so, did anybody happen to see the post that was in HBS yesterday? Mm. HBS so, is the Houston, Houston Bourbon, Bourbon Society. Houston Bourbon yeah. Society. <clears throat> so, one of my, and I'm being so facetious with this, one of my favorite uh, bourbon brands, Devil's River. <laughs> oh, that's bourbon? They want to say it is. They also want to say they're trucking in water from the Devil's River, but I call bullshit. So uh, they they literally say that they are going down. There's only one spring for the entire Devil's River, and it's way down in the middle of this one guy's ranch. And this guy said they don't come to my ranch, so everybody says it's BS. They they have a label for cola approval that is Devil's River Agave Bourbon. Yeah, what? That's the same I, look I, I had when I. I don't know what to say about that. I, yeah, and so there, there is a, there is a cult. Wade, of course, we thought Wade was going to be all over this and just crush him, but apparently the way they're saying it, and it's there are several spirits companies that have done this. They use the moniker to make their stuff say what it's going to say, but there's a special category that is gonna possibly allow this to be approved but it's they're they're scamming people in my opinion yes devil's river i'm talking to you i believe they're scamming people to make them think that bourbon for the novice for the people that aren't completely informed on what bourbon has to be and how it has Doesn't to be have produced to be corn, have to have corn 51 <laughs> percent right so uh and and then the rest of it has to be some other type of grain that doesn't agave's include not a grain. agave's not a grain. The last yeah. time I checked, but I'm sure it's flavored with agave, or they're putting agave. Maybe they're putting agave syrup in when they're fermenting the corn and, and making the mash. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I saw that and I was like, you know, this is just another thing for them to try and rip off consumers. You know, uh, Ian, when we did the hard seltzer blind taste test, uh, I was actually excited because Founders had that series of agave hard seltzers. Yeah. But if you remember, none of them did very well in our taste test. They were not delicious. And I was surprised because we love Founders Beer, so we were expecting, you know, they'd, they'd do well. But I don't know if... Uh, agave's not something that goes with everything. No, it's not. It doesn't. Not. You know what uh, You know what I really learned about uh, in the, the hard seltzer blind taste test was I really, really like beer. <laughs> I, I will say, listening to that podcast, because y'all had Jessica on it, and that... Yes. that of the podcast that I haven't been on, that was one of my favorites. But I gotta tell you, of of the ones that did the best job on that was Adam. Adam did a great job yes, not letting y'all know oh, yeah. what was, there was <laughs> what that was, was a was lot that? of seltzer. You remember that? That was yeah, a that was a lot of seltzer. Was, what was there like twenty something seltzers? I, I, I think tried? yeah, I think we did like uh like, five segments of four each, something like yeah, that. Was, yeah, well, some of them had crazy. more than that. And yeah. I, I will I will say the only thing I will say is the next time y'all do one of those blind ones, like if y'all do blind lager or blind stout or something like that, y'all need to have your rating system the way you're going to do it because I was confused. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> no, I always mess it up. we got to do A, B, and C. No, it's not, well, Cruz, it's not your fault. You're perfect. Well, it wasn't well, your fault. It's yeah. whatever Ian and Jessica decided they wanted to do. Uh, that was well, wrong. Well, you know, listen, I pushed. I don't, I I don't pushed believe that. For a, <laughs> I pushed for a clearer system, but as you know, there's no arguing with Ian. So uh, That's true. That's true. So, don't argue no, with me. No, you know what? Uh, I, I, I really liked the idea of doing those taste tests where we 
kept everything blind for the segment, but not having to wait till the end of the show to find out what everything was. Yeah. yeah. And so that's part of what makes it uh, maybe a little more confusing to do. The, the tequila fact that one doing, was very interesting, too. Yes. That was all on you. And uh, we had uh, Adam's wife, Brianna, was there. And, of course, Liliana. And uh, that was that was interesting because you and Liliana seemed to like the same tequilas. Yeah. And um, Brianna and I seemed to like the same tequilas. We have, we have that thing called taste. I, I've heard there that we you go. describe it that have, way. Because yeah. they came out pat, post uh, the, the episode that y'all did. But have either of y'all tried, and I know you haven't, but have you tried the flavored Dos Equis yet? Are you talking about the uh, the pale ale, the Mexican pale no, ale? No, no, the actual flavored Dos Equis. Uh, so I'm frightened, too, because the Dos Equis Mexican pale ale oh, is the worst beer I've ever tasted. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> uh, so they have put out, it's a 12-pack it's a with three of each. There's I can't remember all four of the flavors, but I know there's a pineapple there's an agave, I think there's a watermelon, and there's something else. So my wife is going to a crawfish boil, and she thinks, hey, it's hot out, crawfish, this'll be great. So she bought a 12-pack, and I'm like, honey, you're not gonna like these. You're, she's a Dos Equis woman. Yeah, but she likes the Mexican uh, She likes the Mexican beer. Big beers, wow. but she doesn't, and, and she's thinking, oh no, they'll be great, they'll be great. And so she came back, and she had her little backpack ice chest, and it had 10 of them in it with three bottles of Dos Equis. And I was like, wait, you didn't leave here with Dos Equis. She goes, these were so bad. I had to go to the store and buy regular Dos Equis because they were horrible. <laughs> wow. What kind, of, uh, what kind of beer do you generally drink, uh, Melinda, if you're uh, left I, to your own devices? I, I'm a big pale ale person. Uh-huh. Mm. Nice. Well, you're going to hate our next beer. Let me scoot over here. I like stouts, too. Oh, okay. Okay, well, we can be friends again. Yeah, yeah, pale ale, stouts. I'll drink anything that's a heavier beer. I don't like super light beers. To paraphrase Benjamin Franklin, pale ale is the God's gift to us because He wants us to be happy. That's right. Yeah, I I said that wrong. I don't think. David, what do you what do you usually drink beer wise if you're left to your own devices? Um, yeah, I go in spurts. I'll find something I like. I'll drink it a lot, and then. Move on. Right now, I've just been drinking a lot of Pacifico for some reason. It's a good summer beer. Yeah, it is. Yeah. This cigar is growing on me. This is the ugliest cigar I think I've smoked. Well, I'm going I'm to But quote, it is kind of growing on me. I have to quote somebody. So uh, I had a boss when I first started at Toscano named, uh, named Anton. And Anton has a great sense of humor. And uh, we had brought a few members of the press to our uh, factory in Lucca. And uh, we picked up Anton at the um, train station in Florence. He came up from Rome to meet us and do a factory tour with us. And uh, one of the press members had mentioned that it was a very rustic cigar and, you know, not a very pretty cigar. And he made an analogy basically saying, you know, if you meet a woman and she's not so pretty but she's good at other things, are you going Mm. to call her again? (laughs) Of course you are. So that's how he, how he kind of, you know, compared the cigar to that woman. Are you going to call her again? Yes, you are. So, uh, early and often. Early and often. So uh, he compared the uh, cigars, uh, the Toscano cigars to um, that type of woman, meaning that they're not so pretty, but they're fantastic. 
and it's you know you put it in your rotation because they're just delicious. Great analogy. Gives a whole new meaning yeah. to the Me Too movement. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Me Too. you know what? It, it actually sounds much better with the Italian accent, and mm-hmm. and he's a very elegant gentleman. Most so things do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was it was uh, as as I'm going over his head to the ladies in the car, going, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but accents are just accents are awesome. I mean. Salma Hayek could read the dictionary, oh, and I absolutely. would listen. I mean, absolutely. just just amazing, you know? you know. Of all the of all the factories that I've been to, and th- you know, going to DR and seeing different factories is great. And going to Nicaragua and visiting some different factories, wonderful Honduras, that's awesome. But a road trip to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> to yes. go through a factory, yeah, baby. that sounds like a great factory tour mm-hmm. right there. Um, that sounds like a perfect place to do a podcast on the rolling floor with the ladies. Is this an uh, invitation? Challenge accepted. <laughs> Hello. Oh, man. Yes. Are you going to roll one? I, I don't have an artistic bone in my body. Um, I've looked at these cigars, and I... <laughs> yeah, I, but I don't know how artistic good. you would have to be, right? Yeah. Well, it, we went, it has other skills, you know, yeah, right? When we went to uh, Aladino Cigars, they, they had us try to devein a leaf, and it it turned into... A, I mean, it looked like a crime scene when I was done. Yeah. Were y'all using it the machine? terrible. Were y'all using the machine? By hand. Yeah. They were terrible. Y'all. Their guys can do it by hand, though. Oh, the lady was like, done. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. I've never seen any of the factories doing by hand. They used the machine. They had, just they had a whole room with ladies doing this divining thing. They just couldn't afford cool. the machines. No, I'm just, Husto, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was, it was, it's so interesting to watch, like, the, the, the uh, skill level that goes in there. I enjoyed it when I went to uh, Ybor City and watched the, Rollers, because you know they have. Have you been to Ybor City? Mm-hmm. They have the, all the shops there, and there's always the rollers in the window. Yeah. That's that's a lot but, of fun. But the rolling floor staffed by the female rollers in Italy. Do, do they in Italy? Do they do that thing like the the old legend of the Cuban the cigars rolling. being rolled on the thigh of a lovely Cuban virgin? I don't think that the union would. Uh, yeah, probably sanction not. that. Union's not <laughs> But it's there. There are forty women, and there have never been uh, men that have ever rolled Toscano cigars. Really, really. Well, they have these uh, measuring. There's like a museum inside the uh, factory, uh, because you know you've got two hundred years of history, and uh, they had these measuring machines that when they were a roller wanted a job, they would measure your fingers in this machine, and you had to have fingers between a certain size, and they did you know dexterity tests and things. So uh, moral of the story is big sausage fingers can't roll our uh, cigars. Yeah, I'd be out of luck. I got, no I got short stubby fingers. Well, it's a, yeah. I know if you go into most of the factories, especially in the sorting rooms, there's not a guy to be found. And I do know that Ernesto has told me, and I, I had to, when he told me this, I had to, okay, I got to look this up. And the visual spectrum of women is better than a man's. So for sorting colors, yeah, the women do a much better job of that. And I know on most of the factories I've been to, there's some there's some male rollers, but the majority of them are, are females. I mean, your shirt's green and my shirt's green. There's yeah. no difference, right? Is there no. is is the the sorting of colors so that the cigars that go into one box yes. will be closer to yes. uh, color? You might get. A different box where the color's slightly different. Yeah, and it might be, it, it's going to be slight, but if you open up 10 boxes and lay them out, you may see a, a very finite, 
change in color across them, but for the most part, they try and keep those as close as they can. And if you do get some that are way off, those go into a different cigar. You may have a Connecticut that's super, super light. You may have a Connecticut that got fermented just a little longer mm-hmm. and it's a little darker, so they'll use those on a different Connecticut. How many times did you get to visit the factory in the DR when you were working for uh, I went EP? three times to, to that's Ernesto's. Cool. Well, how big is the uh, Toscano factory? It's enormous. I mean, I don't know how many square feet, but I mean, there is, uh, we have the best cooks there that, that literally, we would go down and sit, our cafeteria is big enough, and then there's a little side cafeteria. I think there were, I don't know, 20 of us that day on, on, on the tour, um, and they cook the best food, and they serve it with wine and things like that. I can't imagine how many square feet, but it's got to be a couple hundred thousand square feet. So, um, and that's just one of our factories. And and uh, don't break my heart by telling me they don't do this, but I assume opera music is always playing to make the cigars better. <laughs> no. So earlier, actually, it's Metallica. They have a deal <laughs> with Black. And, and, so uh, earlier, you said how many Toscanos are sold in the United States or sent to the United States? Sent to the United States varies every year. Um, worldwide, we sell. Um, That's the one I we did 216 million at the end of uh, 2019, and we grew last year. So I would say probably about 220 million, maybe a little bit more. And we're growing exponentially again this year. So um, we sell in uh, 84 countries. Uh, the United States is the wow. only country outside of Italy where we self-distribute. Um, so it's quite an honor to be kind of in charge of of such a a task considering the fact that we don't do that outside of Italy, so. Ian, take a a look at that. This is the hand roll. And I mean, again, it's not a beautiful cigar. You know what is beautiful? That That burn line. Yeah. That burn line and that ash. Just absolutely perfect. I would look at a cigar like this and expect it to burn crooked just because of the, (laughs) just because of the, you know, the sort of lumpiness, the rustic. Nature. The yes. rustic nature. It's not, let me. I'm going to bring this up to the camera. I want them to see this. Well, and you look at I, rustic I, nature I that we're talking about. For you, Cruz, but I, I which camera one of these? Here. What are the six, six and a half, mm-hmm. seven inches? I'm on the right spot. Six inches. So look at the vein. I'm on smoking. That thing. The, this is still the uh, Antico. What? Antico. Antico. And so I lit it, and it's a, you know, it's real small at the tip to light, but I had to touch it up, one time. And for a cigar, that's a user that, error. I said one time. It's because you're talking too damn much. That's right. That's <laughs> he does talk a lot. Uh, that should be enough time for this segment. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with the next segment. We'll try uh, your beer at Probably that point one. in time. And drinking news. And drinking news will happen. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the fine radio program and podcast and video extravaganza known worldwide as the famous Smoking and Toasting. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. <laughs> Smoking and Toasting is brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Uh, great shirts on the web for uh, cigar lovers at, starting at under $20, my cigar, MyCigarShirts.com, because cigars. cigars. That's awesome. You guys have that, like... I can't like, think of a better reason. I can either. In stereo, even these cigars really do smoke a long time. By the way, mm-hmm. yeah, the one she gave me—I think she gave all of us one. This one right here, which is an eight-incher. I want to say that lasted me almost two hours. What time did y'all get to the shop yesterday? Was it around four? 
maybe a little earlier. Because y'all stayed till after seven, and that thing took me almost two hours. <laughs> See, I, I judge cigars on mine. Like when I'm Sam, I, you know, I live outside of Fort Worth. So, yes, Mike, 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 check. Mike's friend. Yeah, so I, I mean, I live outside of Fort Worth. So if I'm driving to Austin, you know, I know what I can smoke. It's going to take me to Austin. I'm going to test these tomorrow. I got, I'm, or, excuse me, Thursday or Friday morning, I'm going back to uh, Fort Worth. Um, I don't know that I can get two of these in on that trip. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think I'll be able to do it. It's nice to have one that smokes slow, but, you, like, you're still getting a full follow your smoke you're yeah. not having to go slow it's just oh. you know it's just working for you so yours uh, so Ian, don't forget uh your musical accompaniment whenever yes let me finish pouring for drinking one more news. glass what are we drinking now i bought us a this looks like a clown this shoes. is the clown shoes josh the boss hog mm. and this is I a barley have, one it's a barley one yes i have I seen go to this. Alan for obscure liquors you know when I, when I have questions alan's my go-to on any of this stuff now so i've been around see <laughs> he knows all the wtfs and then if there's something i can't find out i go to the regional whiskey expert yes right? We, we so have a whiskey expert. This is yeah, a I'll barley know. wine ale flavored with plum puree aged in Whistle Pig Samurai Scientist rye whiskey barrels. So there's the Boss Hog part. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man, there's a lot on here. <laughs> so look it up. <laughs> it's like a whole novel on it here. Looks like it says the Surgeon General has determined. It, it says actually, according to the Surgeon General, yeah. women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy. <laughs> That's delicious. I spent my whole life looking like I'm pregnant, so you know. That's delicious. Really delicious. Well. Oh, the nose is interesting. It's um it's uh very plum. Mm, you would expect. It's straight wow, okay. Yeah. It's straight, it tastes like whiskey and beer. It is not what I was expecting. Like so. a lot of times a barrel aged um, a barrel-aged barley wine will not have such a distinctive whiskey flavor. You well, get. that's right, and and you do get the plum, but I was expecting all that deep, dark fruit vibe that you so often get from a barley wine, and this is completely different. No, this is much brighter than I would expect. Yes, for sure, both in color and in the flavor. It pairs well. It's it actually very refreshing for a barley wine, yeah. you know? <laughs> Usually barley wines are like great flavor, but it's kind of like eating that super rich chocolate cake or something yeah. where you like you appreciate the flavor, but it's not. Well, that's the, I, I've never had anything bad from Clown Shoes. This well, is yeah, uh, they're they're one of the you know back before the show started, Clown Shoes is one of the first brands I remember that started showing up with just crazy stuff weird, on the shelf. Yeah. You know, them uh, and Dogfish Head were pretty much yeah. right. Pushing the pushing the limits. This one is uh, coming in at eleven percent, so we bumped it up by I think five percent. By the way, can I just you mentioned Dogfish Head? Can I just for a moment sing the praises? I know how big a fan you are of the ninety minute, but I've been picking up some of the sixty minute down at the little store that they have downstairs in my building. They don't have the ninety, but they have the sixty. So I've had some. That is a fantastic beer, and it's no more expensive for a six pack than. 
you know, anything else. I can't possibly nay say the 60 minute, but the 90 minute hits the spot. And yeah. I always have a couple bottles of 120 minutes. Just, just for that IPA. when you are and, ready to just be indulgent. And if you guys aren't familiar with the 120 minute IPA, it usually tips in at about 18%, 15 to 18%. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous and, and it's and delicious. The, the time frame, the 60 minute, 90 minute, 120, has to do with how long they dry hop it, yeah. apparently. So it's... Uh, it's it's quite a, quite a difference from beer to beer, but they're all really really good. Absolutely fantastic. Are you ready? To, oh, you have your. I'm, I'm ready to go when you are, but go, huh? this one cannot be done without the appropriate music. Timpani. We're gonna change keys for this because we had the. But now we have to. That sounds right. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. I love the look on their faces. They're going, what is going on here? <laughs> a Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When I asked about his absent arm, he said, uh... Oh, I can't remember yet. I had to take my gator to the vet. vet I'll drinking news, <laughs> drinking Sorry, news. Sorry, I put you on the spot. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> Today's uh, drinking news is, uh, is not about a Florida man. It takes us to Taiwan. But before we before we begin the story, I have a question for Alan Denny. I have an answer. Uh, do you ever get free meals at Denny's because your name is Denny? No, but wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, yeah, see? I'd eat there a lot more often. Go in for one of those Grand Slams? Yeah, say, well, uh, for a week this last March, hundreds of people in Taiwan scored free sushi from a restaurant chain called Akindo Sushiro by legally changing their names to participate in a promotional giveaway, causing a flood of name change requests and making officials beg for them to stop because of the barrage of paperwork. <laughs> According to the Taipei Times, the sushi chain was inundated with customers who showed up to claim their free meal after legally changing their name to... Salmon. Akindo Sashiro restaurants reported entire tables full of customers who had changed their name to Guiyu, which translates as salmon. Local media dubbed the event Salmon Chaos as about 150 mostly young people changed their name with government offices. The diners showed up with names that translated to things like Salmon Prince, Meteor Salmon King, and salmon fried rice, with one man setting a record for the country's longest name ever, which was Chen Loves Taiwan Abalone Tuna Salmon Snow Crab Sea Urchin Scallop Lobster and Beef Maple Palais de Chine Regent Hilton Caesar Park Hotel Royale. <laughs> he's, that, he's hedging his that best. Was say that really fast three times. <laughs> right. I one, really hope he didn't have to sign a lot of checks. Yeah. <laughs> one one <laughs> college be student behind him at the grocery store. <laughs> one college student said he and his friends had eaten the equivalent of more than two hundred and thirty-five dollars in sushi after he changed his name to Explosive Good Looking Salmon, <laughs> according to local reports. Another student who changed their name and their friends ate about $460 worth of sushi. The student was quoted as saying, 
I do not think we will want to eat salmon again for a while. <laughs> Officials were less than amused by the food frenzy as people rushed to change their names. Uh, while the country does allow people to change their name up to three times, Deputy Interior Mi Minister Ching Sun Yen said that the changes for free food were wasting time and causing unnecessary paperwork. Diners with new names told reporters that they planned to change their names back after the free meal. The application fee for a name change and a new ID card is the equivalent of less than $3 in Taiwan. But one man even claimed online that he learned about the three times rule the hard way after his mother told him that she'd already changed his name twice as a child, <laughs> according to the Taipei Times. Smoking and Toastin reached out to Mr. Salmon for a comment, but he has not replied as of showtime. And that, my friends, is your... Drinking news, drinking news, that was time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Okay, I'm told we only have a couple minutes of battery but time. i got to ask that. one quick question, though. So if it's $460 worth of that in, in, in Taiwan, how much is that at Nobu? <laughs> Five uh, bucks. So I think you got to wrap it up here, Ian. I think we are uh, out of. We are uh, out of officially. Well, we went along on a few segments, so that's okay. And I think we got to taste everything. We got to taste even the rum at the beginning. So we will wrap it up. That was smoking and toasting. Brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Thank you, everybody. David Brophy for showing thank up. You. Linda Doyle. Thank you so much. Alan Denny. Thank you for hosting slash co-hosting. Whatever it was you did over there. I'd probably have to ask you what it was. It makes sense eventually. And thank you for podcasting. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. What he said. <laughs>